Hey, welcome back to the Urban Monk, Dr. Pedram Shojai here with a very important topic. Uh, I read an article not too long ago by Dr. Richard Freed. He's a child and adolescent psychologist uh, and an authority on raising children in the digital age. And uh, man, this thing stopped me in my tracks because he was talking about a gentleman I knew and, you know, all this stuff oh, that happens in Silicon Valley and all these things that are kind of these champions of uh, industry and technology talking about progress, progress, and you know, how good it is for everything. And, you know, I've seen the fallout of this technology progress in the kids um, all, all over my life, right? You know, whether it's teenagers or young kids, I mean, I see it at the screen time, I see it with the digital crack they're carrying around. Um, and uh, this is uh, what Dr. Freed is standing for. And uh, he is really uh, kind of going after this tech industry war on kids. And there's a lot of things, um, you know, as a parent, you may not know. I learned this stuff a couple years ago, and I was aghast. Um, it's hard to turn a brown guy pale. I mean, I was just aghast at how much these guys know about, you know, the psychology of what they're doing. Uh, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, you need to know. So Richard Freed, welcome to The Urban Monk. Pedram, thank you very much for having me here. Yeah. So uh, let's get just a little bit of your background and how you got into this, because uh, it's important that, you know, we understand that this isn't just a technology conversation. It's a psychology conversation, uh, kind of masked under technology. I'm a child and adolescent psychologist, and this is what I deal with every day. I, I work with kids and families, and I, I, ha I have these great parents come in. They're great parents. You know, they, they've done a good job parenting their kids, and, they, and, and then they're telling me, I, I've lost my kid to video games, or I've lost my kid to a smartphone or social media. And it, that's just happened so much that I really felt compelled to write uh, this, this article helping parents see what, just why exactly that is. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting because most people I you know I know a lot of super educated people right, and I, I kick around in circles with people who you know claim to be in the know, uh, and man, this this kind of came out of left field. I had no idea how much went into this kind of machines designed to change humans movement, right? It, these are algorithms and, and, you know, procedures and policies that they've kind of put in place that they know work, you know, uh, you know, speci specifically coming out of a lab in Stanford, uh, Dr. BJ Fogg, uh, who I've met is a nice guy, right? And he's, you know, he's the guy doing all this stuff. He's on the cutting edge. He helped birth Instagram and all these things that could be feathers in his cap until you start seeing, you know, the fallout several years later. Um, and uh, man, it's ugly. So let, let's get into it. Let's talk about what this, uh, you know, this BJ, the millionaire maker, uh, was able to make out of this and how that has possibly turned into Frankenstein. You know, I, I, I think Dr. Fogg is, is, is yes, is a, is, a, a great, is a great guy. I, I think he's made his effort to uh, try to sort of guide us in this, but I, I really feel it falls short. I don't think that the, 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 the typical parent that I work with, or even parents around the nation, they just don't understand uh, persuasive design. They don't understand what's hidden behind their kids' uh, screens and smartphones. Whereas the, the tech industry, uh, you know, Dr. Fogg is a, is a guru uh, in, in Silicon Valley, and, and the tech industry takes his every word and has really used uh, these technologies to uh, for their own for-profit purposes. So it's really set up this dynamic where the tech industry knows all this, but but parents do not. Yep. And so what is all this? What do they know that we need to know? I, I think the bottom line about persuasive design, and it's really about building 
devices and uh, apps and, and social media and video games, building them in a way that changes human behavior. And for kids, what that means is building devices that are so powerful that they pull kids away from real life to live their lives in these for-profit domains. And they do that by creating technologies that, that exploit our natural human desires. For example, boys want to gain, uh, have understandably been genetically set up to gain competency, to, to feel like they've accomplished something. Unfortunately, what video games are so good today at convincing boys that they are gaining competency by leveling up, by gaining points, by being, oh, the master of, of you know, oh, that the, the, they're like one of the top gamers and, and so-and-so, that that's convincing boys that they're actually gaining valuable skills when, in fact, they're stuck in a back room uh, with, a, with the lights down, uh, gaming all the time, and they're not uh, doing the, the real work that they're going to need one day to go get uh, a, a, a job or to get into college. You know, it's funny is I've heard so many people tout this, like, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, when you go apply for a job, they, you know, they will take very positively your rank in say World of Warcraft and, they, and they'll, they'll know that that's a good thing. And so they tout these things, but man, I mean, I, I like people to be present in their bodies. I like, you know, my employees to look me in the eyes and say hello. And I'd like to look, you know, see that their bodies aren't going to fall apart in two years sitting at a desk, you know collapsed over. And that's in the adults. I mean, the things that I've seen with my kids, I mean, we stopped all screen time during the week. We let them watch a movie or so um, on weekends. Uh, and every once in a while, we'll give them an iPad on an airplane or something uh, because it's like crack, right? And they just, you know, it'll shut them up for six hours and let us, you know, have a flight. Um, anything above that, my kids turn into nightmares. And so I don't know how anyone does it. And I've watched this with other parents and they're wondering why their kids have all these behavioral issues. My question is, are they really having behavioral issues or is this possibly a fallout from all the stuff that there's that, that, you know, we're subjecting them to. Um, and you know, later on, I mean, you got teenage girls and stuff that's, you know, the, the, you know, they demand these phones, they demand these things. I, I think American psychiatry is behind the, the rest of the world. The, well, China, South Korea, Japan, they've all understood that, that these products are addictive and they label them as such. In the United States, we've, in, in the, you know, the DSM or the DSM-5, we've only put internet gaming uh, disorder as a, di it's in there, but it's in, in there as a, a diagnosis that needs more research before it's fully accepted. But I, I really think we're behind. I mean, for example, the World Health Organization just named gaming disorder as an actual uh, di diagnosis. So the world is catching up, I believe, um, although American psychiatry hasn't uh, acknowledged this uh, officially yet, I believe kids are getting addicted and that these devices are addictive. And, and what, what happens with kids is parents go, how come I've lost my kid to video games or how come I've lost my kid to social media? And Really what the research is showing is that these products are so powerful that they, you know, short of giving your kid methamphetamine, nothing in real life is, is, is going to compete with that. Um, and, th and that's why I think we're losing our kids to these. You know, it's funny is um, we developed uh, a community app to help people um, 
just, you know, learn about where to shop and do things better in the conscious capital space. And someone, you know, had recommended to me to check out some of the more popular apps out there and just, you know, just get into the experience and see what it is. So I ended up, uh, you know, pull up my phone, just remember what the hell this thing was called. Um, it was Star Wars Heroes. I'm like, this is great. You know, I like Star Wars. Let me, let me see. And everyone said, oh, this, it's a really good example of this. Um, man, you can't stop the way they've gamified it. And the worst part about it that's insidious is like you want your characters to like, you know, catch up and do better. They're pay gates along the way. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm in for this experience. I really want to see this. And at one point I was like, you know, $300 into this game going like, okay, I think I've learned the lesson. I get what this app is about. I'm done. Right. Um, But I just wanted to see how far it could take a reasonable person down this experience of of gamification and the rewards and, you know, just all, it's like my character level is 42 and at 45, I get this thing. Right. And, um, you know, there was no end in sight and it was just a money suck right out of my, you know, my credit card off, off my phone. And I'm a grown man who knows better. And I was just following this thing going, yeah, okay, I get it. This thing is absolutely addictive. Well done. Uh, but now, you know, my kids never allowed to touch this ever, ever, ever. Right. And so what, is it right? What are these elements? And I know you mentioned them uh, in, you know, what we call persuasive design. What are the elements that are built into this to hook the brain the way, you know, so well, like this thing did? I I just want to comment firstly, like you are a grown adult with a fully formed prefrontal cortex. And, you know, that that's, and it's still getting uh, adults, it takes the parents away that I work with, because parents get consumed by this, these things too. And they don't, uh, attend to their kids. And that really is hurtful to kids. So it, it does, it gets all of us. Um, but it, it just gets kids. Um, it gets kids more. And really, um, a, a lot of what all this is about is it, um, so much of it. And, and Tristan Harris, who formerly is a Google really descri- describes it best. He just says, you know, the, the phone that you've got, the smartphone you've got is a slot machine in, in, in your pocket. They are, um, using all the tricks that the the, the gambling industry ha- has learned, and so much of it is is, is set up a- around variable reward uh, ratios. Humans are 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 just biologically programmed to sort of want to know. Let's say you know five thousand years ago, what's on the other side of that hill, um, and, and that's really um, driven. Um, uh, humans to, to say like, I want to go explore. I want to see what is out there. We might find a, a water supply or a, a food source that is going to sustain our community and advance the, the, the hum, humankind. And today what that's, what that's done is, or what is done in these digital environments is to set up these variable reward ratios. I just don't know, you know, for example, when you're playing that game, you, you're not, you're not rewarded every five minutes or you're not, uh, they'll set up the reward in, in a perfect little schedule um, that will trigger your um, brain and, and, and uh, to, 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 to be hungered for it and to say like, wow, I just, you know, I just want to do one more thing to, uh, to get there. And that, we, see, we see that with our kids, you know, uh, all parents will say like, I, I go in and I ask my kid to get off their, their game and uh, an, an hour later, um, they're, they're still stuck on it and they're saying, but just one more, just one more. It's, it's a, a lot of it is set up around that variable reward ratio, which is the same thing that keeps, uh, users on a slot machine. Yeah. 
And uh, there's a quote here. It says, teenage boys are wired to seek competency, to master our world and get better at stuff. And video games and dishing out rewards can convey to people that their competency is growing and you can get better at something second by second, day by day, week by week. Um, and then the question really becomes, how much does that actually correlate with real life skills? How much does that actually correlate with, you know, SAT scores and, you know, ability to, you know, look, you know, look someone in the eyes and, and have a conversation with them? Um, and I think the answer is pretty well known. Um, just ask any parent. And these kids are turning into zombies, stumbling around, and they're just not all there anymore. Yeah, it's um, th- there is a if you're the if you're the parent of a boy, you really want to be concerned with the fact that uh, right now, 57% of college admissions are girls or young women, and only 43% are boys. That's scary. That is a huge discrepancy. And I think a lot of it's driven by the fact that boys game uh, a lot more than girls. And, and Stanford research will tell us that the boy brain or the young male brain is, is much more triggered by uh, games than uh, the female brain. And then we see the National Bureau of Economic Research uh, coming out and saying that a lot of young men are choosing not to to join entry or to to actually go get a job, and they're they're content to to game their lives away, which is really uh, scary. I travel, uh, I do talks, and I'm you know I'm getting a, a drive from a cab driver, and the cab driver will say like, oh you know like what do you do? And he said, oh my son, he's he's 23, and this happens over and over. You know he's home, he's gaming. We can't, he won't do anything like. Yeah, we have a generation of young men who are much living on uh, on their couches, not advancing. And if parents want to affect change and make sure that that's not happening with their kids, they've really, um, I suggest, got to act early on all this. It's funny. We got a kid in my family on my wife's side who's not doing well in school and messing around and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, they, they complain about his gaming. Uh, we went over there. Um, you know, a few months back and uh, he was leaving and he had this huge computer, his monitor, all these things. And he's taking them. I'm like, Hey, I thought you were going to a birthday. He goes, I am. He said, why are you taking your computer? He's like, Oh, cause we plug in our computers. We sit around in a circle and we play. And I, and as he's saying this, I just, I had this like syntax error in my mind. Like, you know, dude, what the fuck are you saying? Like, I don't, I don't understand why would, what? It, you know, it's like when I was his age, we were chasing girls and, and liking cars and doing things that, you know, boys at 15 do. And these guys, these idiots are just sitting around in a circle, staring at their screens, talking through microphones. And I just, I basically threw his computer on the floor. I was like, you're, you're, you're done. Like, I, I, I won't tolerate this. I'm not even your dad, but I won't tolerate this. And it was over um, because that, you know, that to me was in direct correlation to his failing outside life. And his parents are like, well, all the kids do it, so it's fine, I guess, right? And the parents have lost that battle because, you know what, they, be, just because it's the norm, just because the Nazis are marching in the street doesn't mean you go out and become a Nazi, right? And so how, how do we stop this tide as a parent? How do we get ourselves insulated from this uh, kind of incessant persuasive drive to change our behavior in ways that are not necessarily you know, in our best interest? I, I, I think it's about forming uh, communities. I think it's about parents coming together at schools, at community centers, at houses of worship and saying, like, enough. Um, we're going to uh, not follow along just what, with what our social media newsfeed is feeding us and, and decide to make, uh, to, to look at science, to look and what we see with our own eyes and say, something's not right, uh, Pedram, just as you say. And to stand up and, and really make a difference and say, um, you know, for example, at our school, let's let's make a, a 
you know, it, it makes no sense that kids should have smartphones at school. There's, there's research that says that's dragging our kids' school success down. Let's all stand up and say, no, we, we want a, a, a smartphone policy, much like all these private schools are doing. Private schools regularly limit you know, with, with kids that are in the sort of upper up echelons of, of income profiles, they, they're going to schools without smartphones. But yet at public schools, kids are living their lives on phones. I want, I want parents to stand up and say enough. Um, there's a really neat, it's about building community. There's a neat organization called uh, Wait Until Eighth, which is a, a national program where uh, parents sign on and take a pledge not to get their kids a smartphone until they get it at least until eighth grade. Um, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates actually pushed that back. They, they, they waited till 14 and Melinda said, I wish I would have waited even longer, but wait at least until eighth grade to uh, get their kids a smartphone. That's really easy to find. You just go to the web and punch in, uh, wait, wait until eighth. And, and uh, you, you will, you will see a community of parents that are really getting together and what's neat is parents take that pledge, but it doesn't become active until like a, a sufficient number of, of, of parents at your kid's school and your kid's grade also take that pledge. So it's building the community, which we've always done uh, to, to raise kids in a healthy way. You know, the, the underlying kind of um, message here is, you know, look, look who's pushing this, right? If Bill and Melinda Gates, who, you know, Bill's, you know, arguably the godfather of, you know, all this stuff, right? Um, if they're pushing for this and wishing that they had waited longer, what does that mean? I remember reading an article a few years back uh, in the Bay Area. There was this, you know, all these parents, uh, the the captains of industry, you know, all these, you know, so everyone's up in the Bay Area, Mountain View and all this. And they were just clamoring and fighting to get their kids into this Waldorf school, which basically endorses no tech until at least eighth. And then, you know, just climbing trees and, and basically being tech free. So it's like, okay, all of these people that are championing this technology don't actually want it around their children. What do they know that we need to know? And that's where I think your work is kind of, you know, bringing that to light. And it's, you know, it's kicking up some dust. I mean, you're, you're pissing off some people. And I applaud that, right? Like, look, and like I said, look, I've met BJ Fogg. I think he's a nice guy. I think he means well. Uh, we oftentimes, like, did Einstein realize when he was studying, you know, what he was studying that it was going to turn into an atomic bomb? And at that point, you know, was it too late? Uh, you know, and I think maybe this is BJ Fogg's atomic bomb. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, these guys need to step out and, and be more vocal about it. But man, it's really hard to turn down billionaire money, isn't it? You know, when, when these guys in Silicon Valley are like, hey, we found this technology that's persuasive, that'll, that'll help us make more return on our investment and more money. Um, it's amazing how, you know, buying new cars and, and facilities and wings of, uh, you know, wings of buildings uh, can get people to look away. Yeah, I, I really, um, I, I did write this article. I, I knew it was, it, it was potentially going to affect people. I, th I think that's what I think that's human nature. You get so caught up in what you're doing and building uh, th the best uh, product. I, th I think um, it, it, it reminds me of this old movie, like The Bridge Over uh, River Kwai with, um, uh, with uh, Alec Guinness. And, and he's, th th you're building this bridge. To, and then at the end of the movie, he realizes, wow, you know, we as British prisoners of war were building this actually to help the, the Japanese war effort. And then uh, right at the end of the movie, you kind of wonder, well, did he just recognize that? Um, did he just recognize that uh, uh, what he's been doing is is actually hurtful? And I'm hopeful that um, leaders in tech like uh, B.J. Fogg are going to step up and 
not just sort of talk in um, abstract, you know, contingencies about this could potentially do such and such, but instead reach out to families today to help them understand what um, what all these leading tech execs know. Reach out to the the parents on the street and help them understand that these persuasive uh, technologies are. are Sadly, unfortunately, really being used, it's, it's psychology being used as, as a weapon uh, 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 against kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so where can one learn? I mean, I know you have a new book out. It's called Wired Child, uh, Richard Freed, uh, spelled F-R-E-E-D, um, uh, PhD, Reclaiming Childhood uh, in a Digital Age. And, uh, you know, I think it's out now. Yes? No? Yes. Excellent. Um, so aside from your book, where else can people really dig into kind of the insidious nature of this science and what they need to know about their their children and what they're being subjected to? And I know you cover a lot of it. Um, if you are a uh, – I'm getting together in Boston in about a, a, a few weeks. For, there's the, the Screen Time um, Ac- Action Network, our Children's Screen Time Action Network, which is – uh, part of the uh, campaign for commercial free childhood, but it's a lot of um, uh, child advocates and providers really getting together to because we're understanding that what screens and phones have become is they've become the dominant force in childhood, and we're all going to get together. We're going to talk about kind of how how we can move forward. So that's um, it's it's for I would suggest that if if you're a provider, if you're a parent. Um, that's a, that's a, you can just go to the Children's Screen Time Action Network on and uh, uh, search that up and, and with a campaign for commercial free childhood. And, and you're going to find a lot of, uh, you know, this is a, a nonprofit. Uh, it's, it's, nobody's making uh, money on this. This is just people who are there to try to help and guide uh, families and make good choices. As far as, um, you know, I, there, there's my book and I really talk, try to talk about how we can provide our kids uh, the childhood that they need um, in this digital age. You know, t- so much of our kids' lives really need to be focused around. Uh, we've lost this, like family and and, and school, um, and how we can build that life in in this age of uh, really distracting and off and I believe addictive uh, technologies. There's a really neat uh, book out re- just recently uh, called, uh, and I'll just mention, uh, "Screen Schooled" uh, by uh, Matt Miles and Joe Clement. Really talking about how screens are, are also being pushed um, uh, in, in schools and how so many parents I, I talk with say like you know I would like to limit um, my kids' tech, but then you know uh, in public schools, not so much in private, as you said, um, with with that uh, Silicon Valley Waldorf school where the tech execs are going sending their kids, but in in public schools there where kids are just getting inundated with devices. And then unfortunately what happens is they don't end up using them productively and oftentimes and kids get stuck on them. So I think that's another good resource and that's Screen Schooled, which is another good book that's just recently out. Great. I mean, and so let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is the irony of all of this is that, you know, uh, where, where are you sitting right now? What, like what, where? Um, in, front of, in, in front of my computer. Yeah. But where, what town? Oh, in um, I, I am in Walnut Creek, California, which is uh, close to Silicon Valley. I grew up in Palo Alto, and de- uh, which is, I guess, ground zero for Silicon Valley. It certainly is, and uh, so I'm a few hundred 
miles away from you in Southern California. We are on a digital uh, platform called Zencaster, having a conversation over I's and O's um, that will then be transcribed and put into a podcast that will get to people through digital devices that will hopefully help them untether from said devices. And so that's also kind of like the irony of our times, right? Like, you know, I, I can reach a lot more people and help them unplug doing so with phones and and technology and so you know there's there's a really interesting baby bathwater conversation here like i you know I, I walk away from tech as much as i can but i use it to interact with our audience uh because it's the best way to do so but like man i just you know sometimes i feel like i just want to like kind of walk into a public forum and, and go old school and just have conversations with like real people i just taught a, a workshop with just a few people up in the redwoods and i was like yes Oh my God, this is why I got into this. It's just interacting with humans. But, you know, it's really hard to get tens of thousands of them to one place. And so how do we develop a healthy relationship with this stuff where we could use it to our advantage and not become slaves to it? I think, firstly, one of the, the, the places, and, and that is a, a, a tremendous irony, and I'm blessed to have the technology that I have to uh, do my work as, as well. I think the, the place to start is just to, uh, for us as adults, uh, parents and teachers and those who care for kids, is to understand the remarkable developmental differences between us um, as we have a much more developed prefrontal cortex. Our reward uh, pathways have, have been largely, hopefully, developed around things like family and hard work. Um, and that is just a, a, a just a a world apart from uh, a child brain. And we just want to wrap our hands around, it's it's much like if, if we want our get kids to grow up, let's say, to use alcohol responsibly, what we because it's ad- addictive, um, what we understand is, well, we don't want to actually be having kids grow up drinking alcohol uh, because we know that the earlier they get introduced to that, the more likely their reward pathways are going to get hijacked by that. And really that's, remarkably similar to what happens with respect to kids in tech. Yes, you know, adults can drink responsibly, but you know, we're not we're not giving our young kids shots of uh of uh vodka at the at the at the dinner table because we just understand that their brains aren't ready for that and we want to get to a place with respect to tech that is 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 similar um to that. Yep. That makes perfect sense. Um, I've noticed it here. I mean, with my own children, right? Like, you know, you get lazy. You're like, all right, we're making dinner. You can watch a cartoon or something like that. And uh, we've developed a zero tolerance policy because it just, you know, my son becomes a jerk and he becomes more irritable. And my daughter starts, you know, it's just the whole thing. It just it cascades into something that, you know, is obviously not good. And you could just say, why are you being a bad kid? Or what is it in your environment? What inputs am I subjecting you to, um, you know, right now, because you're young, that may be causing this. And I, you know, I can't even tell you how, how impactful that was just taking, I mean, they had very limited screen time anyways, but just taking that away, all of a sudden, teachers are noticing, everyone's noticing, they're just better kids. Um, and uh, guess what? You know, if you have all that extra time, you're outside in the yard with the family. And if it's raining, you're playing board games or, you know, doing dance parties. And I'm telling you, it's it's been a, a very eye-opening experience for me. And I've been really on this subject uh, a lot. So when I came across your article, I was just like, yes, yes, let's do this. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. I know that, you know, sometimes that isn't easy, you know, throwing mud. Um, but, you know, it's got to be done. And I don't think you're doing it, um, you know, for, for, you know, the wrong reasons. I think you're absolutely 
absolutely in the right to to you know question this and i don't think we're doing it enough because wow you know everything 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 that makes money is good in this economy and that's not necessarily true right like you know if i'm looking at gdp of the us economy if uh, you know three cars crash and like eight people die um, that was a positive indicator for gdp that means you know the hospitals the morgues the the body shops the car dealerships uh, you know, every, everyone made money and all those are, in, are indicators of progress in the economy. But that was a terrible event that destroyed many lives and tore the fabric of, uh, you know, uh, the society. And so, you know, this scoreboard of, you know, these tech companies and their valuations and all this bullshit that, you know, we've learned to like, you know, applaud and and, and reward um, is uh, really not factoring in the externality of the human cost and the next generation of children and, and you know, boys not making it to college and all these things that you brought up. So, you know, this brings up a lot of questions, but it, 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 you know, makes us have to think about the repercussions of some of these things that we're, you know, just deeming as progress, uh, you know, you know, and again, look, progress happens, you come back, you look at it, you make adjustments. If we don't do this fast enough, we're going to lose another generation um, to people, you know, of people who are just not able to be present in their bodies. And, and, and in my opinion, are going to have all kinds of health uh, fallout ramifications because they're just not embodied in a way that a human, you know, has evolved to be. Pedram, that's, that's really well said. And I'm hoping that uh, those in positions of, of power can reach out to, to parents l- like yourself and help them understand just that on that boots on the ground reality of what is happening with kids today. And I, uh, in, in my article, I'm also, so I'm, I'm asking that tech execs, uh, you know, interestingly enough, it's these tech execs, as you say, who are the ones seeing this. I'm encouraging those who, who develop persuasive design like uh, Dr. Fogg uh, to really reach out to help to talk with families specifically. And I'm really encouraging the profession of psychology and the American Psychological Association to address this use of of psychology as a weapon. I really, truly, I think I try to show evidence that unfortunately right now, the science of psychology as used by the tech industry is, is causing far more pain to kids than you know, mental health providers and child advocates using psychology to try to help them. So it is time for those in positions of power to really reach out to, to, to families and give them the help that they need. I love it. The book is called Wired Child by Dr. Richard Freed, available anywhere books are sold. And uh, if you go on to the Urban Monk blog, I will put in uh, a link to the article I originally read on Medium, where you just go on a Medium and find, you know, search uh, at Richard and Freed. Um, but I'll put a link in ours as well, just so you could uh, not get so lost on the internet. And uh, yeah, read up on this. It's important stuff. Uh, Doc, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Uh, it's important and it's a conversation that we all need to be having much more of. Thank you, Pedram. It's uh, really been uh, great to be here. Thank you. This is Dr. Pedram Shojai, the Urban Monk. Uh, look, I am super excited about the work that we're doing and the interviews that we're doing. I need you to tell me what you want more of. I need you to tell me what your opinion is of this, because if it's not a a two-way street, I get bored. Um, This is my last podcast for a little bit. I'm off to Italy with my family for a month because work-life balance isn't something you just talk about. It's something you got to live. So I'm off. I'll see you after a little hiatus. And um, again, let me know what you think. And uh, I'll be back reading these chat threads, uh, maybe even uh, from a villa in Italy. (laughs) 